Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. But I'm glad that we're here. And and I believe under the unction of the Holy Ghost that, that we're here at the right time. There's we go to a lot of a lot of different places, a lot of different churches, and in every place you go into, you could feel the atmosphere's a little bit different. Some churches are 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 in a stage where they're just trying to to come out of something they were in. Some churches are at a stage where or maybe they're just just starting to, to, to blossom and to bud. And I, I feel like we're here at the right time because I could feel in the atmosphere that, that God is preparing this church for a phase of revival. Uh, it's just in the atmosphere for, and, and for, for a phase of, of, of rebuilding. And God said, I'll just, I've got you to the place now where I can start laying some bricks. I've put a foundation together. I can just start laying and building something. So I'm very glad that we're here. And I hope that somehow, some way we could help you. I'm glad that my wife still travels with me. Uh, she's really nice to everybody. <laughs> I better turn to Joshua chapter 3. I am going to read a scripture. She's very nice to everybody. I'm not going to throw else in there, and I'm not going to throw but me in there. I'm just, she's just nice to everybody. (laughs) Joshua 3 and 1. Do you got it? found out if you read your scripture you can't put your foot in your mouth Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shidom and came to Jordan he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host they commanded the people saying when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests the Levites bearing it Then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before, heretofore. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. Whenever the leader would tell them to sanctify themselves, what he's telling them is get ready. Get prepared. Clean some things up. Get everything in order. He said, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, take up the ark of the covenant, pass over before the people. They took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. I'm not going to try to preach to you anything fancy tonight. I tried that. It doesn't work. I'm, not, I'm probably not even going to preach to you something you haven't heard before. I just want to 
just want to talk to you. Just three simple, three simple words. Go after it. Go after it. He said, when you see the ark, when you see the priest, he said, remove from where you are. Go after it. Don't just let it pass you by. Don't just let revival pass you by. Don't just let the moving of God pass you. Go after it. It's there for the taking. I believe I feel in the Holy Ghost. Anything that you need tonight, it's here for the taking. If you need a healing in your body, it's here for the taking. If you need the Holy Ghost, it's here for the taking. If you need a restoration in your home or your marriage, it's here for the taking. But you've got to remove from where you are. Get your feet out of the clay. Remove yourself from the rut you're in and go after it. I want you to lift your hands today. And I want us to lift our voice to God and just tell Him, Lord, I'm going to go after whatever you have for me. Oh, whatever you have. from me. I pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost could rest tonight. Pray that you can sweep into this building, God. Move from the left to the right, from the front to the back. Let your anointing come in in waves tonight. The power of the Holy Ghost minister to us. We need you tonight, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor as you're seated. Tell them I'm going to go after it. Come on, I, I wish you really knew that in sincerity. I'm going to go after it. Come on, I've stayed where I've been for long enough. I've wallowed in the mud for long enough. I've stayed less than what God wanted for me for long enough. I'm going to go after what God said I could have. I'm going to go after every promise. I'm going to go after everything that the Lord's promised me. I refuse to stand back with my arms folded and my hands crossed. I'm going to go after what God wants me to have. Hallelujah. You may be seated or whatever. In my opinion and in the opinion of others, the Temple of Solomon is the most grand structure ever built by the hands of men. Golden walls, golden vessels, handmade works, beautiful curtains, all the articles and all the majesty of this temple, this grand structure. But before it was ever Solomon's temple, it was called the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was the tent testimony. It was Moses' tabernacle. It was a tent in the wilderness. There was no brick walls strengthened by mortar. There was no rooms. There was no corridors. There wasn't a porch. It was just a tent in the middle of the desert. One simple tent with curtains separated it. The only light that lit the way in that tent was the burning of those golden candlesticks. And unlike the temple of Solomon, this tent was not stationary. There was no way that it could be. It had to move, it had to relocate, it had to constantly be pulled through the wilderness because it had not reached its final resting place. There was always an unsettling mood in the camp of Israel. There was always an unsettled spirit there because you never knew when it was going to be time to move. In Exodus chapter 40 it says, and when the cloud was taken up, 
from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day. Fire was on it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. Exodus tells us that every day when Israel would look out toward the direction of that tent, there would be a pillar of a cloud that would rise up and they would see it stationary above the holy of holies. Every night when the sun would go down, there would be a pillar of fire that would rest in that same spot. For hundreds of thousands of people, as they got up every morning, they would look out and see the cloud that was still there. Camped around this tent were hundreds of thousands of other tents. And all the 12 tribes of Israel were in order. And they were placed in certain areas where everybody could see what was happening. If you ever notice, in Egypt, they weren't together. In Egypt, there was no order. In Egypt, they were scattered. And in Egypt, they were mingled. They were all just placed in the land of Goshen. But when God pulled them out of Egypt, he began to put them in order. He began to place them in their tribes because God is a God of order and a God of placement. And if there's one thing we need to understand about God is he will never do something out of order. See, we get it all twisted and we want God to do things when we want him to do things. But the reality of it is God will never do something now that he's going to have to go back and fix later. He'll never give us something now that he's going to regret giving us later. He said, I'll put everything in order. And when I lay the foundation and when I build, I will build it right. I will do it the right way. See, but, but we got to understand there's, there's a timing in God. He puts everything in order. He, he is very, very distinctly a God of order. He placed their tents in order by the tribes. I want the exact placement. When the light of God comes on in your life, he begins to straighten things out. Don't tell me that you've met God and God's done something in your life if you don't let him turn the light on and fix stuff. If you don't let God begin to deal with areas of your life and bring order, if your life is in chaos and you tell me you found the Lord, I beg to differ because once you come to God, he begins to put things in order. Hey, this shouldn't be here. That shouldn't be there. We need to move this. I believe that it was C.S. Lewis that said when I came to God, I expected him to come in and clean a few things out because I thought God wanted a cottage to live in. I thought he just wanted a nice little place to dwell. He said, but when God came in, he said he started busting walls out. He said God started relocating things. And C.S. Lewis, he, he stated it like this, uh, Elder. He said, God didn't want a cottage to live in. He busted out walls and said, I've come to build a temple. I've come to build a palace. I've come to build something greater. If you've met God and he hasn't busted walls out and took things and moved things, if you haven't allowed him to do that, then you're not in the order of God. Let there be light, he said. Let there be light. And when the light came on, the Bible says his spirit began to move things. We need to move this in order. We need to put this over here. We need to get the dry land to appear. We need to put the water. Let the waters be gathered together. And he began to put things in order. 
what if your life's in a mess? What you need is a fresh dose of the power of God. You need to yield to the Spirit of God today. I better hurry. Maybe. I don't know. I took a nap today. I'm all right. There were thousands of tents, and they were all focused on this one tent, this tabernacle. And in the morning, when they would wake up, and they would rise out of their tent, the first thing that they would do is they would step out of their tent, and they would look for that cloud. And if the cloud was still there, then everything was fine. I'm going to let the kids sleep. I'm going to go out and do my daily thing. I'm going to let the wife take a few more minutes. Maybe it was the other way around. Maybe the wife said, I'm going to let him sleep a few more minutes. I don't know. (laughs) But the first thing they would do would be to check to see if that cloud was still there. Because if that cloud had moved, it's time for them to pack up and to move with it. When they went to bed, that fire was sitting on top of the tabernacle. The fire was there. There was no warning. There was no emergency alert system. The only way they knew is they had to get up in the morning and look and see if the cloud was still there. And if that cloud had moved, it was time to wake up the children. And it was time to get the family together. And it was time to start packing everything. And it was time to get the servants to start pulling out the pegs of the tent. And it's time to pack up. Levites, put on your work clothes. It's time to move this tabernacle. There, There was an urgency in the land. There was an overwhelming sense of alarm that the cloud was moving. Can I tell you today, I just feel like preaching to you for a little bit on a Sunday night. We better watch lest we get our tent pegs too deep in this world and we can't seem to pull them out to move with the spirit of God. We better watch that we don't get ourselves in such a rut and in such of a routine that when the cloud moves we can't get everybody in the right position. Can I tell you today, I feel a sense of urgency in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the year 2016, there's a cloud that is moving. And there's going to be some people left behind. But I want to not be left behind. I want to go after the cloud. I want to go after the revival. I want to go after the power of God. I feel an urgency in the Spirit. There's a moving in the spirit world that I'm telling you right now. Now you understand, I, I, I preach at a, a lot of churches. I say a lot, but it's just, let's just say more than one. So you could pretend like I'm talking about somebody else, but I've seen too many that have taken out their big hammers and they've nailed their tent stakes in so deep to this world that you can't move them with anything. 200 volt taser ain't going to move them out of the way. They are... They've got everything dug deep down into the foundations of this world and everything seems to to move them of the world but nothing in the church moves them and they can wake up and the cloud could be gone and they'll say, you know what, I think I'm alright, I can still see it. 
and then the cloud moves a little farther. You know, I'm all right. I still see the cloud. Oh, it's nighttime. I can still see the glow of that fire. I'm doing okay. And, and, and after a while, you understand that it's going to be too far to see. And once it's too far to see, you don't know what direction to go. It's going to get a little too late. It's like the ten virgins, virgins, the Bible said, that they all slumbered and slept, but five were wise and five were foolish. And the five wise, they had oil in their lamps. So while that cloud was moving and while things were happening and they were sleeping, when they woke up, they didn't let it get so far that they didn't know which way to go. Uh, I just believe... We have saints of God that are getting just a little too adjusted to this world. It's become a little more too comfortable. It's become a little too comfortable here. We've got good jobs and we've got income and we've got everything we need so we feel comfortable. And I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. God's going to make a shaking in our lives. I believe that God's going to start shaking some things up. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to prophesy anything bad. I'm just going to tell you what I feel in the spirit. Some of you, don't you be surprised if that job you thought was secure gets a little shaky. Don't you be surprised if those things that you thought you had your foot on and your tent, tent peg was put into. Don't you be surprised if it starts to get loose. And, and you say, well, I, I was secure in that. You see, that's the problem. We're secure in everything but in him. Everything else is our security. Everything else is what we, we, we hold on to. You need to understand there is a moving, there is a shaking in the spirit world. And we've got to be prepared to go after the spirit of God and to go after what God has for us. Hey, you hear this preacher tonight, that cloud is moving. If you don't feel it, why don't you spend a few more minutes in prayer? That cloud is moving. God is taking his church to the promised land. And I, for one, I, for one, I'm going to just speak for me, for me and my house. I want heaven and earth and all of hell to know that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to go after that cloud. I'm going to lay aside everything as long as I can go after the cloud of God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Somebody praise him. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody lift up his name. My Lord. You see, the problem is, can I just, just preach to you for a few minutes? The problem is the things that we've held on to for so long in the world, when we try to let them go, we don't realize they're holding us now. The things that we would hold on to. And we grip them so tightly that when we feel a moving in the spirit and we want to let them go, they have a hold of us. We thought that we were holding them, but that's not the way the devil works. He puts chains on us sometimes that are so light we don't even notice we have chains on. If you think the devil's going to come with a 50-pound chain and throw it over your back and you won't be able to get out of bed, that's not the way he does it. You know how he does it? He just adds one link at a time. And he'll give you everything you think you're wanting while you're holding on to it. But while you're holding on to the world, he's adding links. I feel a little bit of weight, but I'm okay. I can lift my hand up. And before you know it, when you try to let go, 
you can't let go. It's got you hooked. Oh, help us today, Holy Ghost. It's got us hooked. It's got its claws in us now. So we can't let it go. We're so dependent on it, we can't let it go. We begin to depend on these things. I'm reminded of the story of Rahab. The Bible says that Rahab, she puts that scarlet cord in the window. Now what you need to understand about Rahab, and we all know that she was a harlot, but if you really study, she also had an inn. She had a place that people could come and stay when they were in the city. She had many rooms in the house. But, but the man of God, the spies said, if you'll leave that cord in the window, and if, if, if when we come, whoever's in your house, they'll be saved. Now I want you to understand something. There were a lot of people in Rahab's house at that point that didn't deserve to be saved. There were men in that house that were paying for rooms and paying for more. There were people that were coming for their drinking and everything. It was party central. But I believe that Rahab somehow, some way, the promise that she had been given of salvation dug so deep into her heart that somehow what she had held on to, although it was holding on to her, I believe that she just let the Spirit of God break that chain. I need you to catch this. He said, everyone that's in your house, when we come, they'll be saved. I believe that when Rahab heard that, she kicked the door down in one of those rooms, and that she said, you got to go. What do you mean I got to leave? I paid for a room here. This is my income. Rahab, what are you doing? This is where you get all your money. I'll never come back to this inn again. Fine, you need to move. I'm making room for something else. So she starts kicking people out. Now, it's not in there, but somehow she had to move them out to get the people in that she got saved. What we don't realize is that was the only income Rahab had. That was the only money that she had. That was the only thing she had coming in. Now, today, in the world that we live in, if we tell people, hey, you need to quit your job because it's pulling you away from God, they'll think we're crazy. We tell them we need to let go of some things of this world. For God, they'll think that we're crazy. But Rahab said, sorry, this ain't an end no more. you got to get out. I've got to move my family, and you've got to move out. I've got to move some things in. We need to do whatever we can do to go after the presence of God in our lives. Hallelujah. This is a hard thing. Why don't we do one that will give me five, and I'll just add them up. We always talk about Israel and the promised land and that cloud that was leading them to the promised land. That cloud was never going to settle until it got them where it needed to take them. But you hear me tonight. We as the bride of Christ and we as the church of the living God, we have a promised land. We have a promise. It's not natural land. No, no, not so much. But we have a promise that we're about to conquer in the spiritual realm. We have a promise of an end time revival. We have a promise of a harvest so great that the plowman will overtake the reapers. 
Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities, and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards, and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens, and eat the fruit thereof. The Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning while I was preaching, and I didn't bring it up. I just wrote it down. And Amos said these two things. He said they will plant vineyards, and then they'll drink the wine thereof. They'll make gardens, and they'll eat the fruit thereof. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said the problem with my people today is they'll plant vineyards, and they'll dig gardens, but they'll never expect to reap. They'll never expect to drink the wine thereof. They'll always expect the blessing to go to somebody else. I'm going to tell you. We'll always reap. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like I'm in a church where I'm talking to people that have felt this. We'll always be sowing and we'll always be putting stuff in. And we'll always be doing and doing and doing. And the Lord said the problem is I love the doing and I love the sowing. He said, but eventually you're going to have to learn that I want for you to reap. I don't want you just sowing all the time and never seeing revival. I don't want you sowing all the time and never seeing a harvest. I want you to sow, but I want you to reap as well. Oh, help me today. We have, we have a problem. I'm just going to preach to you, and when I'm done, I'll be done. We have a problem in the church. We don't know how to receive. We know how to give. We know how to read the scripture that says give and it shall be given to you. Brother, I remember when I first started evangelizing. I grew up, I grew up uh, in, in a really strange house. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I had a, just my mom and, and she raised me. My dad died when I was young and I grew up. And I just learned to do stuff for myself. It, you know, and I, I learned a new term the other day. It's called latchkey kid. You know, I didn't know what that meant. I because we never locked our house. If we would have, I would have been a latchkey. I would have had to have some way to get in. We didn't lock our house. It didn't matter. We didn't have anything worth stealing. But I would go home every day, and the house would be empty. So if I wanted food, I made my own food. Everything I did, I did it myself. I, I just, that's just how I lived. I just did it myself. I didn't need anybody. I, I remember moving in with my aunt and she's like do you want me to iron your clothes do you want this I'm like what no like I felt uh, I felt very weird having people do things for me and I went I went to preach for Brother Davis in Oxford and, and, and this was when I first started and I was just so so young and really naive and, and, and he's like do you want this? And I didn't really know how you're supposed to be treated when you're evangelist, and I, I still don't. And, but he would, do, he would do something, and I was, no, 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 I got it, I got it. And after a few days, he looked at me, him and his wife. My wife, remember, they said, if you're going to evangelize, you need to learn how to receive. You need to learn how to accept what people, because if you can't accept something, you, they're going to lose their blessing. You've got to learn how to accept. And the Holy Ghost dealt with me just a few days ago. And he said, the problem with my church is they pray and pray and pray, but they never plan on receiving. 
And a lot of times we're afraid to receive. There's people that pray for the Holy Ghost and they don't get it because they're afraid that if they receive it, they're gonna ha- there's going to be something different. They're not going to understand it. There's people that will pray for a blessing. They'll pray for financial blessing. They'll pray for revival. But they're, they're really uh, somewhere in the darkness. They're really afraid to receive revival because they're afraid if it comes, they'll mess it up. If I receive a blessing from God, I'm going to mess it up. And the Lord spoke to me about that. He said, what you need to understand, he said, is I'm real patient with people. And he spoke this to me just in the trailer. He said, I'll be as patient with you as you'll be with someone else. And you know that we're really patient with new people. You have new employees come. You ever been a boss? You have a new employee come and they mess everything up. You don't fire them. You just give them a chance to learn. And the Lord said, that's what I'll do. And he brought me to the story of Aaron. When Aaron, when they first built the temple, and here goes Aaron just walking in there looking around. This is good stuff. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, tell Aaron, if he walks in there again without putting on his royal pair on getting ready, I'm going to kill him. But since it's a new thing, I'm going to give him some leadway. Since it's something he's never experienced before, I'm not just going to strike him dead. I'm going to give him an opportunity, and I'm going to teach him to do it right. And a lot of times we're afraid to receive because we're afraid we'll mess it up. But the Lord said, oh, no, 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 no. If it's new, I'm just going to give you a chance to work in it. I'm going to give you a chance to grow in it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to th- we, we need to stop being afraid to receive things from God. We really do. We really need to be uh, stop being afraid to receive things. Yeah, your life's going to change when you learn how to receive, but I promise you it'll always be for the better. It's going to be better. It's going to get better. Things are going to, to move into a better realm for you. Why don't we lift our hands right now and ask God to help us? Come on. Some of you have prayed for some things, and God really wants to give them to you, but you, don't, you haven't learned how to receive yet. God, help me to stop being afraid. Well, we need to learn how to receive today. Mm-mm-mm. It is a promise of God that not only will you plant vineyards, but you'll drink the wine. And not only will you make gardens, but you'll eat the fruit. And then he said, the plowman will overtake the reapers. So there's got to be some reapers. He said, you will have such an abundance. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You will have such an abundance that before you're done reaping, you're going to have to send someone else to start sowing again. Before you're done reaping, you're going to have to plant again. It'll already be time for another harvest. Hey, 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 I feel that God wants to put a revival in Mount Carmel that says before you're done reaping, you're going to have to sow again. There's going to be more and more and more. But you've got to receive it. I'm talking about an overflow, an abundance, an abundance, an abundance. An abundance, an abundance. An abundance, an abundance. abundance. Why don't we pray in the spirit right now? I just want to be led by the Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost said, I'm tired of my people being in the dark. I'm tired of them having that mindset that they're on the back side of the track scraping by. So I'm about to take my people into a land that flows with milk and honey. And if you know anything about a flow, it doesn't matter what's coming down or what's going up. It's going to flow. It's just going to be coming. It's going to be a stream. Hey, we aren't some crazy people. We aren't low people. I believe it's time that we start following the Spirit of God. I believe we need to be witnessing to the mayor. We need to be winning influential people in our cities. Why? Because we have the only saving message. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hey, if somebody's going to get up in the morning and they're going to put a suit and tie on and come to church, they ought to just come to this church so they can hear the truth of Acts 2.38 so that they can hear that they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. We've got the keys. We've got the power to heal the sick and to cast out devils. We have the promise of revival. promise of revival we have the promise of revival the bible says that in the last days saith the lord i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh everybody all right but sometimes we don't believe all flesh we believe he'll pour out his spirit on you know whoever i think he will if we believed all flesh, we'd witness to every person in the mini-mart. We'd witness to everybody on city council. We'd witness to everybody we saw because the promise is for all flesh. The only requirement to have the Holy Ghost poured out on you is you got to be flesh. That's it. you got to be flesh. God wants to give us an all-flesh revival. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, Holy Ghost. After those spies come back, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurry, maybe. I don't know. Those spies come back from Jericho with their report of sure victory. And Joshua hears the voice of the Lord and he begins to command the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priest carrying it, then you need to know it's time to go. So remove yourself from your place. Get up from where you are and go after it. When you see the ark, don't just sit there. Don't just let it go by you. But stop whatever you are doing and go after it. Stop whatever you are doing and go after it. Whatever you're in the middle of doing, when you feel the spirit, stop and go after it. We have missed some of the greatest moves of God because when we feel his presence, we brush it off and we keep doing what we were doing. But he said, when you feel my power, you stop whatever you're doing and you go after my spirit with everything that you've got. Oh, God, help us. The movement of the Spirit of God is very peculiar. The Bible likens His Spirit to a dove, something that will come softly but can be easily pushed away. When it comes to the Spirit of God, hear me, we must, we must follow it. We can't lead it. We can't force it. We've got to follow it. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, We've got to follow the leading. You cannot force the gifts. 
I'm just talking to you right now, but I need you to hear me. And as difficult as it is and as scary as it might be to move and operate in the gifts of the Spirit, as difficult as it might be, as afraid as, as we might be to lay hands on a sick person and to proclaim that they will recover. Mm-mm-mm. As nervous, now I'm going to touch something right now. As nervous as the word cancer might make us and as dreadful as the word diabetes might be to so many, as hard as it is to get in it into our mind that we have authority over sickness and over disease. We even have authority over death itself. Many times we don't step out because we're afraid. We're afraid we'll make a mistake. Well, guess what? Sometimes you will. Why don't we pray in the Holy Ghost right now? God, we need you right now. Break through every chain. Let our minds be open in the name of Jesus. Some of you stepped out and it didn't work and you got discouraged, but God said, just go after it. Oh, help us, Jesus. Oh, help us, Lord. Hey, hey, the apostle Peter, he's the only one that steps out of the boat and the guy sinks and he's drowning. But Jesus doesn't condemn him for drowning. It appears to me that he's rewarded for getting out of the boat. He's rewarded with the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. If thou be, let me come out and walk with you. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Jesus doesn't condemn him for drowning. You need to stop letting intimidation and fear keep you from stepping out in faith. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. But fear and intimidation has stopped you from stepping out. And the Lord said, you just need to go after it. You need to go after my spirit with reckless abandonment. You need to do whatever you can do to get a hold of the power of God. If the spirit is moving, we go after it. Let's try that again. <laughs> Growing up in the Pentecostal church when the spirit was moving, we went after it. We chased after it. We didn't let a service go by where we didn't try to get into the presence of God. So I say we go after healing for everybody. I say we lay hands on every sick person. I say we take authority over every cancer. I say we go after the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody needs to hear me today. Go after what you need from God. Go after what you need from God. Lift your hands right now. Somebody really needs to grab a hold of this. 
Come on, the Lord's doing some things in the spirit realm, but you need to grab a hold of this and pray. God's saying, I want you to go after it. I'll come to you every once in a while, but if you want me bad enough, you'll push through the crowd. You'll crawl on your hands and knees. You'll cry out like blind Bartimaeus. You'll do whatever you have to do. Revival is here. Go after it. God is healing now. Go after it. God is filling now. Go after the presence of God. Well, why don't we all stand our feet right now? I just want us to pray right now. Somebody's feeling something. You need to go after it. It's going to be out in front of you. You're going to have to chase it. You have to get close. But you need to go after it. You need to reach for it. God's going to do miracles in this place in just a few minutes. God's going to move in a mighty way. We just need to pray for a second. We need to be willing to do whatever he would ask us to do. Come on, why don't we pray that? God, whatever you would ask me to do, I want to do it. I feel your presence. I need something from you, God. Come on, we're working up a lather right now. We're working something up in the Holy Ghost. I believe the ark is about to walk into this place. I believe the power of God's about to come in. We just need to go after it today. Seven twenty-two. Cut the robot of Sotoraba. He cut a bottle. So I remember. Uh, you could you could play if you want to. I don't know what I'm doing. I I remember. Remember at the beginning of the year, the beginning of this year, uh, I, we, we did our fasting and we did all of that stuff and, and I was praying. We're at our, our home church, so I got to just go into the church, I was praying. And I just, I just started proclaiming, I just started saying, Lord, this year's going to be a revival year. This year's going to be a harvest year. And I just, just kept praying it. In fact, I just kept saying it. This year's going to be a year of unprecedented revival. This is going to be a year of the... And I just kept proclaiming that. So, so after I began to proclaim it, we were, we were because of the times. And Brother McGee, this has never happened to me before. I'm not complaining about it. I, I, I've, I've learned a deal. But this has never happened to me before. Somebody that, that I didn't know, they walked up to me. And they said... The Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you this is going to be a year of unprecedented revival. He began to tell me things. 
And, and I was like, okay, I accept that. And on the way home, on the way home, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Because I've just been given a word. I've just been given confirmation. And the Lord said, what are you going to do with your word? What do you mean? He said, I've given so many people words. I've given them promises. I've given them everything. He said, and they put them on the shelf. And they look at them and, and wait for me to do it. That's really good. He said, they just, they just put them on the shelf. And they get dusty. And they sit back and they say, well, go ahead, God. And then he said, they get mad at me when it doesn't happen. And they discount the prophetic they discount my word they discount me and the Lord said what do you do with your word what will you do with it I said Lord if you promise me revival then I'll pray like I've never prayed before if you promise me a move of God then I'll fast like I've never fasted before I'll study more than I've ever studied I'll give you more than I've ever given you it's not God's responsibility To give you a word and then work you like a pawn into your promise. He said, I'll give you a word and I'll show you the cloud. But when the cloud moves, you better follow it. And God has given us, I feel the Lord right now. God has given multiple people promises of healing and promises of restoration. And all kinds of promises, promises of revival. And the Lord wants to ask you today, what have you done with it? Have you changed the way that you come to church? Have you changed the way that you live? Have you prayed more? Have you, have you chased after me? Have you done more to get it? Or are you just going to wait till it doesn't happen and blame me? The passing by of the Spirit is nothing more than a promise of where God plans on taking you. That's why he tells Joshua there's got to be a space between you and the ark. You don't know where you're going. You don't know which way to go, but I'm leading you. You haven't been here before, but I'll lead you. Don't you get so caught up in the destination that you forget that there's a distance between you and the ark. There's a distance. I feel the Holy Ghost talking right now. I'm not worried. There's a distance. That's why when you pray, I prayed. I've been through seasons of prayer and fasting. Brother Mason, and nothing happens. About the only thing I felt during fasting was a headache and an upset stomach. Because I'm not walking in the promise. I'm just following after it. And we're going to get so discouraged because we ask God for things. And then we stop and we wait for them to happen. And he said, it's out in front of you. There's a distance. You've got to go get it. You've got to go get it. So I'm asking today. I'm just going to be very simple. I'm asking today. What will you do with your promise? What will you do to go after it? God's promised you healing. What will you do? Will you just sit in your seat and say, God, I'm going to be here. And when you feel like healing me, do it. That's not the way that it works. I know you promised this revival. So, Lord, I'm just going to sit here and wait for it to come. That's not the way that it works. 
But I tell you without a shadow of a doubt under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that there is a spirit of revival. There's a cloud of revival hovering over this church that God has prepared, that God has, has put all the pieces in motion and out in front of you. It has passed by. You've already, I feel the Holy Ghost. You've already felt a passing by. And the Lord said, I'm going to take you there. But you've got to start walking. You've got to start doing just a little bit more. You've got to reach. Just You've got to do more than you God, what will you do with it? I'll do more than I've ever done. I'll do more than I've ever done. I know you've been standing for a while. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm, I'm just going to open this altar up today to anybody that wants to come. To anybody that says, I want to chase after what God has for me. I have sat back long enough. I've waited on everybody else long enough. I've waited on everyone and everything else. But God, I want Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.